You're listening to Rabbits and Adol Kazilski. Shavua Tov and welcome everybody to Chai FM this week to the slots where we learn Torah, authentic Torah that comes all the way from Moses at Har Sinai. Um, 3,300 years of Jewish heritage which we have kept so faithfully and so carefully and um, hopefully very soon we will be seeing the fruits of our labors with the ultimate redemption which very interestingly is very much a topic of what we are going to be discussing today. We are as always learning the holy book of Tehillim, the book of Psalms. We are trudging through chapter 119, the longest chapter um, in the book, um, it has 176 verses, and today we are going to be doing verses 81 to 88, which is the next stanza that all start with the letter Chaf. The letter Chaf is the 11th letter of the Hebrew alphabet. In fact, hey guys, after this uh, chat, we are halfway there. That means we've got another 11 weeks afterwards to, to come to the end of this chapter, certainly. Chaf has a numerical value of 20 just in terms of gematria. The first 10 letters are um, single digits, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Chaf then becomes 20, Lamed becomes 30, Mem becomes 40. We climb all the way to 100 and then we go 200, 300, 400. So in terms of numerical values, Chaf has a value of 20, it doubles the very small letter of Yud, which we discussed last week. And Chaf, if you use the word or you say the word Chaf, it's spelled Chaf Fei, okay? And Chaf comes from the word Kapayim, from Chaf, which means a palm of the hand. And in fact, if you look at the shape of the letter Chaf, it looks like a cupped hand. It's a, basically, it's got three sides to it. It's got a vertical, a horizontal, and then... um a line that joins the two together with the opening on the left-hand side. So Chaf is a cupped palm. And we will see that in the following verses, King David expresses his yearning to be sheltered in the palm of God's hands, um, especially while we are waiting um, for the redemption, while we are st- still in the state of exile. As we are now, we're in the longest exile of four exiles that we have gone through, um, but we know that this final exile is the one that is going to bring the final redemption, means once the clock ticks over and redemption comes to the world, not only for us, but for the entire world, we have brought the world to fruition, and um, that is going to be uh, really a spectacular major event, which please God will be seeing in our lifetime. I'll discuss a little bit more about Mashiach um, as we go along, but just getting back to the letter Chaf, the Talmud, um, we've been uh, reading a or learning some verses from the Talmud, from from the Gemara of Shabbos, in fact, 104a, that gave a, a meaning to each and every single letter. The letter Chaf, the Talmud says, stands for the word Keter, which means crown. And the Gemara tells us that the person who's devoted to God, he places himself in God's hand, will eventually be crowned with divine glory. So that, in essence, is the... The overall idea of the letter Kaf, and now we are going to start going into 
the various verses, as I said before, starting with verse 81. King David says as follows, Kalta l'shu'atcha nafshi l'dvarcha yechalti. My soul pines for your salvation, for your word, I hope. And um, this really is a personal plea from King David, as we've said so many times, that he found himself in very, very difficult situations, and he was always waiting, pining for the salvation of God. He was waiting for um, to see the fulfillment of God's promise to him that, that he will um, retain and maintain the 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 kingship which in fact he he does and we see the fulfillment of king uh, god's promise to king david that his line of monarchy his royalty will last to this very day which is in fact true while we are waiting for mashiach we are waiting for our messiah who is mashiach ben david mashiach the son of david of king david um we could see that when even when we are um, talking about King David, we say that he's alive, he exists, meaning that his seat continues with the famous words, David, Melech Israel, Chai V'Kayam, a very, very famous song. I think that almost every single Jewish person knows it, um, irrespective of where you are on the observant uh, paradigm, that David, Melech Israel, David is the king of Israel, Chai V'Kayam. He's alive and he's existing, meaning that that which David lays a foundation um, and that which he, he planted as, as, um, as, as royalty and as the monarchy, that will continue to the end of days where we will crown one of his descendants, Mashiach ben David. And one of the characteristics, by the way, of Mashiach is how will we know who is Messiah? Because anybody can say that they are Messiah, we will know because he will have to prove the fact that he is, in fact, Ben David, that he is from the lineage of King David. So he says, Kalta l'shuatcha nafshi, my soul pines for your salvation um, and for your word, I hope. This is David in his personal capacity asking that... Um, God sees the promises that he made through. But as always, when we are learning what David said was also prophecy, um, it has many, many layers of meaning for the generations after him and even to the generations now. Kalta l'shuatcha nafshi l'dvarcha yechalti, the Sforna comments that this alludes to the period of exile following the destruction of the first temple. So the first temple was destroyed, and um, of the people, David will say, our soul is pining for your salvation, for your word, I hope, meaning what was happening when we got exiled into Babylon. This is where the story of of Purim happened. This was after the time of the destruction of the first temple. We had a promise from God, okay, that was given by the prophet Yirmiyahu. Yirmiyahu said, so says Hashem, after 70 years are completed for Babylonia, I will attend to you and I will fulfill my good word to you by causing you to return to this place, meaning to the land of Israel. And so the Sforna goes and says, this verse is alluding to the Jews that were living in the time of the first exile where they're saying our soul is pining for your salvation for your word we are hoping we are hoping to see the fulfillment of Jeremiah's words that our exile was supposed to last 70 years and after which we would return back to the land of Israel which in fact did happen we came back with Ezra and Nehemiah and the second temple was built and it existed for another 400 odd years 
um, before it was destroyed again. So that is verse 81. Verse 82 reads, Kalu enaile imratcha, my eyes pine for your promise. Lemor matai tenachameni, saying, when will you comfort me? And again over here, the Sforno goes and says, um, that this verse alludes to our present exile because after the, the rebuilding of the second temple, which I think lasted 420 years, we were exiled again through into the Roman exile. But this exile um, has been a very, very long one, close on two and a half thousand years. We are still currently in it and we are waiting. The eyes of Israel are longing to see the fulfillment of the divine pro- promise. Okay, call kalu imratcha. Our eyes are pining for your promise. What is your promise? Well, the promise was given to us in Deuteronomy in the book of Devarim. You can go look it up. It's chapter thirty, verse three, where it says as follows: And Hashem, your God, will return you from your captivity and take mercy upon you, and He will return and gather you in from all the nations amongst you that Hashem, in whom Hashem your God has scattered you. So we have a promise that at the end of days there will be an ingathering of the exiles, that God will bring us back to the land of Israel, and that we will see the arrival of Mashiach and. We say, When will you comfort me? When will we find comfort from this oh-so-very-very-long exile? And uh, if you look at it now, why I was talking initially about the arrival of Mashiach, we can see that there are things that are happening today that are certainly pointing to the arrival of Mashiach, which I will discuss right after this break. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Welcome back, and we are discussing the concept of Mashiach, the concept of Messiah. It's one of my favorite ones. I think that anybody who knows me personally, I'm kind of like a Mashiach prepper. I'm always scanning the news, looking at things around the world, and just watching. As our redemption is unfolding, there is absolutely no question that we are in the throes of redemption. We're on the birth, pa- birth pangs of redemption. And just like a woman who has carried for nine months, then starts with her birth pangs and the pains and sometimes very active and very painful pains, we are birthing a new paradigm, a new concept, a new universe, a new world. Um, but the birth pangs are pretty, pretty, uh, Painful, and this is really in 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 a roundabout way, really explaining why this world is in such a mess that we are now. The the old orders of the world are coming down, and slowly and surely we are going to be putting new things in place. A place where everybody in the world will recognize God. There will be peace. There'll be harmony. There'll be health. There'll be all the great and good and wonderful things that everybody wants. Nations will live peacefully together and everybody will work towards a common goal. So all this nonsense, corruption and, 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 and bad stuff um, needs to be thrown out. And so we are seeing the demise, painful demise of everything that is, that is negative. Um, and we will see the, the fulfillment that, that we have been given in the Torah, um, of this promise. Why should we see it? Because God has fulfilled every other promise. He has fulfilled all the promises that He gave King David. He has, He has fulfilled all the promises He gave Abraham, our forefather, that we will be few and far, uh, scattered amongst the nations of the world, um, and, 
as you know, if you speak to any statistician, the Jewish people should have disappeared off this planet many, many, many thousands of years ago. Um, but we have withstood all the pressures, all the evil tyrannies, all the dictators, everybody that has come by our way because we are living testament that when God makes a promise, he keeps it. And so, too, the promise of Messiah, of the, the messianic redemption, of the reverting of this world to a good, honest, healthy, integrous world full of love um, is certainly something that we will see. We're just having to go through the birth pangs right now um, to get rid of everything that is in the old structure. And just going back to the verse of Deuteronomy that I read um, to you before, that Hashem will return your captivity and take mercy upon you, and he will return and gather you in from all the nations amongst you, uh, amongst whom Hashem has scattered you. We are seeing this also before our eyes with the, with the establishment of a land that we can go back to, that, that, you know, there are more Jews now living in the land of Israel than in the diaspora, and that uh, I know on a daily basis I meet people that are making Aliyah, and slowly but surely we are all being taken back as per the promise that we say, Kalu enayli imratcha, our eyes pine for your promise to say, when will you comfort me? We're in this process. We just need to hang tight. Um, active labor is a painful process, um, but we pray and we hope that the birth pangs will dissipate um, pretty quickly so that we will all be ushered into the redemptive process, something that we know was promised not only to King David, but certainly going back all the way to Abraham and before. Verse 83 reads as follows, Ki hayiti kindod bekitor, I have been like a wineskin, dried in smoke. But I did not forget your statues. So here King David is comparing his flesh to a leather wineskin, which has been stretched out to dry over a smoking fire, leaving no tra trace of, mo of moisture. And what he is saying is that exile has been unbelievably difficult, not only for him personally in his, in, in, in his life, um, but certainly as well for the Jewish people that we have had many, many wicked attempts to deprive us of living wholesomely and completely as, as Jews. And we kind of been wrung out, okay, with every lost drop of devotion sometimes. And we do feel like a, a wineskin dried in smoke that once you dry this skin over the smoke, you, there's no trace of moisture. We're in one sense, we're, we're shouting out to God. We're tired. We're exhausted. We have been fighting. We have, we have, we have, um, our very existence has always been, um, something that we've had to fight very, very hard for. And we're tired for it right now. And our prayer is that God has mercy on us and that this redemptive process, this birth panging of the arrival of Mashiach happens quickly and, um, you know, without delay because we are pretty exhausted from two and a half thousand years of exile. But there is one interesting verse, um, a few words at the end of this verse that bears a comment on. King David says, I did not forget your uh, statutes. I didn't forget your laws. And here the Sforno, the commentator on Torah that I've, that I've just read regarding the other one says that this 
What does it mean that I did not forget your statutes? What did David not forget? What did the Jewish people not forget? And Sforno says something very interestingly. He says this, here King David is referring specifically to the commandments concerning Shabbos, Shabbat observance, and Brit Miller. Now, Shabbos and Brit Miller, having a bris, okay, these two commandments are called ot, signs in Judaism. They're not forget, for forgotten. Let's understand both of them. Brit Miller, having a bris, is obviously an indelible mark that is etched on the flesh of a Jew. Okay, and once it happens, it cannot be reversed. And the same thing is said when it up to us when we stop working at on sunset on Friday and we observe the Shabbat. Um, and you know, we've just gone through an incredible Shabbos project where the inspiration that we, the Jewish people in South Africa, gave birth to five years ago has spread really. Around the world, and thank God, over a million Jews subscribed to this art, to this sign that we are indelibly connected to God. That despite our harried lifestyle, our 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 need and our want and our desire to build and change and 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 affect the world in so many ways, a Jew is obligated once a week to stop. And to show that we are connected to God, that just like God worked for six days and on the seventh day he rested, that we too take one day and we go back to the fundamentals. We go back to shutting off the technology, connecting with our families, connecting with our spouses, connecting with our communities, connecting with that which is so very real and so very, very important. And most importantly, connecting to God and realizing that all our Work and the effort that we expend during the week is all towards a purpose. It's towards making this place, this world, this material world, a godly world, a place where God can dwell. And ultimately, the, the effort that we put in does result and will result in the arrival of Mashiach because then we will have upgraded. We will have instilled in the entire world. Um, this concept of God and concept of goodness, and then we will be the beneficiaries of all that shefa, of all that influence, positive influence in the world. So when we do Brit Mila, when we do bris on a child, we are indelibly connecting that child to God. And we are saying that this is a sign that we got from Avram Avinu. We got all the way back to our forefather Avraham, who, as we know, brist himself at a ripe old age. Um, of a hundred years old, and this is a link that has kept us all the way to today, and so too when it comes to Shabbos. You know, um, it says that more than the Jews have kept the Shabbat, the Shabbat has kept the Jews. And reality, Shabbat and Brit Miller could be more accurately described as edut, as testimonies. But here, King David is calling them chukim which are basically commandments that defy human logic because at the end of the day, the mitzvot of Shabbat and Miller are perhaps the most powerful forms of Jewish identification with faith and with one God and one creator. Um, and in, in a sense, they're, they, they do, they do come while there are signs. They do, they do border on chukim because who can really understand them? What, what logic is there, um, in Brit Miller? And just going back to the concept and the idea of Mashiach, 
Um, there's been many, many places, and he has not really the time and forum for me to expand in its fullest. But um, we do have two ideas here where both Brit Miller and Shabbat are connected to the redemption. Firstly, with Brit Miller, with the Brit Miller, it said that it is in the schut of Brit Miller. It is in the merit of, have, of, of ensuring that Brit Miller remains alive and pertinent in our family that, that we will, as a Jewish people, be redeemed. Um, and it is a very interesting concept. I've taught it in many end-of-day classes to various audiences that one of the interesting ideas is that when we got exiled from the land of Israel at the time of the, of, of the second uh, the destruction of the second temple, the land of Israel became an uninhabitable uninhibit, land for close on 2,000, 2,000 odd years. Okay, nobody lived in it. Yes, it went from one conqueror to another, but nobody made anything of it. And now that we're coming towards the end of days, the battle of the will between um, the Jews and our Arab neighbors has come to the forefront. Like why all of a sudden since 1948, um, has now Israel become a battleground um, as to who who owns it. And there's a very, very interesting Torah idea that it says that the circumcised will inherit the land of Israel. And, and there is a commentator that goes and says that Yishmael, the son of Abraham, um, whom Hagar bore, okay, also performed Brit Miller. He also performed circumcision, albeit that he performed circumcision at the age of 13, and albeit that he does, they do not have the custom of fulfilling uh, Brit Miller completely the way that we do, and I don't want to get into all the, the various differences, but um, our Arab brothers do perform the, 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 the commandment of Brit Miller, not to the complete manner in which we do it, but to a certain extent. And the, the Mephorashim go and explain, the rabbis go and explain that at the end of days, before the Jews inherit the land of Israel in its entirety, completely to itself, there will be a period of time that the land, um, has some type of, of allegiance to the Yishmaelite people, to the Arab nation, because of their mitzvah of Brit Milah. But it is incomplete, and it is, it is not something that lasts forever. And that really explains the scenario where we see now um, the battle that we are going part of the birth pangs of Mashiach as to whom the land of Israel belongs to. There is absolutely no question and no um, uh, interpretations that it belongs to both. It belongs to the Jewish people. We were promised it to Avra from Avraham's time, Lech Lecha, Me'artzacha, that you should leave your land place and your birthplace and the house of your father to the land I will show you. And this land is to be inherited by um, Abraham and his direct descendant Yitzchak, Yaakov, and the Jewish people afterwards. But Brit Miller does come up very much um, as something now. And what's really, really interesting is that if you're following the terrible waves of assimilation that the Jewish people have gone through, even to this very day, one of the mitzvot that people still cling to, thank God, and should continue, um, is the mitzvah of Brit Miller. So irrespective of a person's religious um, observance of Torah and mitzvahs, a bris is a bris. You have a boy eight days later, we have a bris Miller. And so this is one of the signs, this is one of the things that have connected us in history. And this goes back 
um, millennia all the way back to Abraham, very much connected to the ingathering of the exiles and very much connected to the stability and the availability of Israel to the Jewish people. And at the same time, if we take the second idea of Shabbat, what we are seeing over here is that it says that if all the Jewish people kept two Shabbases, we would immediately bring the redemption. So Shabbos is very much connected to the redemption on many, many levels. And it's a discussion again in and of itself. But just to touch on it lightly, when we go into this 26-hour period of Shabbos, of the Shabbat, where we disconnect from the maddening materialism of this world, and we connect inwards with ourselves, our families, and with Hashem, what we are doing is we are actually living and having a taste of the time of Mashiach. Um, this is what Shabbos will be like. This is what the world will be like when Mashiach comes. It will be Yom Shekulo Shabbos. It will be a, a, a day that is completely Shabbos. It will be a lifestyle that is completely Shabbos, where we live in peace, we live in harmony, we have love, we have health, we have an abundance of food, we have an abundance of, of community. And so every single week, we touch the redemption. We have a taste of the redemption. So both, both Bris Miller and, um, Shabbos are certainly, um, there to give us tastes of what it means to be connected to the arrival of Mashiach and going back to the letter of, of being cupped in, in, in the palm of Hashem, of being sheltered in the palm of Hashem. That was verse 83. Let's go look into verse 84, which um, has some interesting ideas as well. King David says, Kama yemei avdecha, how many are your servants' days? Okay, um, and then he goes on and he says, when will you execute judgment upon my pursuers? When he's asking, how many are your days? days this is a famous allusion to a midrash that we find in Yalkut Shimoni, that God, when he created Adam, he displayed to Adam all the future generations from him until the arrival of Mashiach. And when they came to that period of history where David was to be born, um, God showed um, Adam that David was to live for only three hours. And... Um, Adam saw the greatness of David, so he said to God, you cannot allow King David, the great King David, who has so much to give to the world, to live for three hours, take 70 years of my life and give it to that soul. Because Adam saw that David was capable of rectifying his Adam's, Adam's sin. So, Adam computed that David needed precisely 70 years of life to accomplish this task, and that's indeed what happened. Adam was supposed to live for a 1,000 years, and he died at the ripe old age of 930 because King David was given 70 years of um, Adam's life. So King David says, how many are the days of your servant, meaning were it not the days of my life measured out with precision so that I could use each and every minute towards the accomplishment of your great goal? Certainly, 
certainly, and this is what he says, like uh, he's, he's insinuating, Hashem, you're not going to allow those who pursue me to end my life prematurely. That's why he says um, in the verse, Kama yimei avdecha, how many are the days of my servant? When are you going to execute judgment on my pursuers? Because you cannot allow my pursuers to end my life prematurely. You have given me 70 years. And here is a very, very short but very profound lesson. Look how King David appreciates his life and the time allotted to him. Now, he had the ability and the understanding that he was alive for 70 years. We, For us, we do not have that vision, that understanding of how long we are going to live, but certainly we can take the lesson of King David to know that each and every single day, time is a gift, and we should use each and every moment of every single day to accomplish and to grow and to cultivate and to change and to be involved in God's world because life is unbelievably precious. Um, we have the opportunity here to make a change, to make a difference, to 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 help the world move towards a, a redemptive process, we, to help ourselves move uh, towards a, a redemptive process, and so each and every single moment of the day is is something that we need to appreciate. And certainly, you can see from King David's part that. You know, he takes Kama Yemei Avdecha, how many are, are your servants' days? Because I use every minute, says King David, towards the accomplishment of that for, for which I was, uh, I was, I was given birth, like the, that, that Adam gave me the, this specific time so that I can effect change in the world. So where are you at? Um, in your life, are you appreciating the minutes, the hours, the time that God has given you? You're listening to Rabbits and Adol Kazilski. And welcome back. And we are going through verses Chaf, the stanza starting with the letter Chaf in chapter 119. We're going to be looking into verse 85 now, where King David says the following Karuli Zaydim. Shichot. Willful sinners have dug pits for me, which do not accord with your Torah. So there's many interpretations here. Radak, one of the commentators in Torah, interprets this metaphorically that pits, when he's talking about pits, okay, that willful sinners dug pits for me. Here Radak is saying that King David is alluding to the secret, well concealed plots. That David's enemies um, made up, and in particular, here King David is talking about the evil counselors of King Shaul and Avshalom, who dis- who devised many wicked schemes to uh, destroy David. So Radak is saying this is what King David is talking about. The Midrash, however, comes and alludes this to the Jewish people in exile. And saying the Jewish people in exile are going to cry out to God and they're going to say, the wicked people dug not one but many pits for us. And Hashem will console Israel by saying, fear not, rest assured that the pits they dug are not for you but for themselves. As it says in Proverbs, he who digs the pit into it, he himself shall fall. And it also says in Tehillim, Behold, he conceives iniquity, is pregnant with evil schemes, brings forth falsehood. He digs a pit, digs it deep, only to fall into his own trap. 
And this is really ultimately what we've seen right throughout history, that many pits have been dug, many plots have been uh, manufactured up, been thought up, etc., etc. And many, many, not many times, but all the time, we see that these very pits actually fall and destroy those who try to destroy us. We can look at Hitler. We can look at uh, Queen, Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand and the Spanish Inquisition. We can look at the Cossacks. Uh, we can look at the whole of communism that came crashing down. We can go, go, where is Babylonia? Where's the Roman Empire? They dug pits. They tried to bury us. But at the end, he who dug the pit is the person who will only fall in his own trap. And as I was learning this, um, I have to acknowledge the beneficence and 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 um, and security that Hashem gives the Jewish people. Just two weeks ago, or not even two weeks ago, I think it was last week, um, there was the imploding of the tunnels that Hamas had brought into uh, the land of Israel, and really we saw fulfillment of what Proverbs says: "He who digs the pit." Into it he himself shall fall, and he digs a pit, digs it deep, only to fall into his own trap. Hashem is watching the land of Israel. It says that his eyes are on the land of Israel from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And Baruch Hashem, we were saved in an immense way um, with the destruction of these tunnels um, that were built and with the destruction of, 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 of very evil people whose only desire and will is to bring evil to the world and bring destruction to the world. So even in today's times, right now, 2017, we are seeing the fulfillment of, of, of stuff that is said in the Torah, and we have to give a public hakarasatov, um, a, a, a thanksgiving, a gratitude to Hashem who is watching over us. And why does this happen? They are not living according to your, your Torah. Okay? Um, Sforno goes and says, as far as the bottom of a deep pit is from its top, is how far removed their evil schemes are from the truth of your Torah. Meaning that um, evil cannot exist forever. Because it is so far removed from what the truth is, from whom God is. God is good and, 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 and we look for the preservation of life and the connectedness of people and, and et cetera, et cetera. That, that is why the pits land up and, 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 and they fall. And that is very, very important. It was important in King David's life. If you remember, he was, they, there were many that were claiming that he was unfit to enter the congregation of Israel because of his Moabite ancestry, but that was not in accordance with the Torah because in accordance with the Torah, it was only the Moabite men, not the Moabite woman. And King David was a descendant of Ruth, of Ruth, who was a woman, a Moabitess. And also we can see that many, many, many times when it came to King David, they, they, they hurled so many accusations against them. They were all asher lo ketoratecha, were not according to your Torah. And this again is something that we learn today very much where we sit and we hear what goes on, the diabolical uh, discourses that go on in the United Nations and, and all other places, the BDS and all of these things that go and look as if they're going to, um, destroy us and, and, um, um, you know, take us away from the path. If they're not according to your Torah, they, they have a shelf life. 
they will disappear and they will go and they will fall apart. Why? Because he goes into verse 86, because all your commandments are faithful, meaning I, David, know what the authentic teachings of Torah are. God is faithful to them. He protects us from his enemies and he will protect us. And this is really what Torah is all about. We can hear the, the, the screaming, shouting in our ears of anti-Semitism and BDS and, and all the negativity out there, but none of them hold water. They're just loud shouts, screams, maybe painful birth pangs, but they will not hold water. This is not the first time in history we've heard it. We've heard it loud and clear many times, and the proof of the pudding is, is that all those people that shout and scream are no longer around. Verse 87 reads, Kimat Kiluni Ba'aretz, they almost destroyed me on earth. This is obviously David describing his own precarious position as a hunted fugitive from, from, from Shaul. But certainly also, we can say that of the Jewish people, Kimat Kiluni Ba'aretz, they almost destroyed us on earth. The Holocaust almost destroyed us and the Spanish Inquisition almost destroyed us and the Cossacks almost destroyed us and, you know, the, the various exiles and stuff that happened, we almost got destroyed, but we never, ever did. Why? We did not leave God. We, did, we remained connected to his Torah. We never forsook, forsook the Torah. To this day, we keep Shabbos and Kashrut and Brit Mila, etc., etc., and we live as as powerfully identifiable Jews all the way back to the way our forefather Abraham lived. And no matter how bleak the situation is, we've stayed our ground, we haven't abandoned our faith, and neither has God abandoned us. And finally, um, we're looking at verse 88 where King David says, I have... Um, in accordance with your kindness, preserve me, meaning you've saved my life, God, so many times in the past. King David himself personally, you've saved the Jewish people so many times. Please save us again so that we finally, once and for all, can see the downfall of our persecutors and the ones that do evil. The Eshmera Edut Picha, I will keep the testimony of your mouth. One thing that is guaranteed that we plead with God is that we will continue to speak words of Torah. We'll continue learn words of Torah. And that is who we are. We are identified by our connection to God and to Torah, which is our blueprint, and connected to the mitzvot of Brit Milah, of, of Shabbos, and all other of the 600 and other 11 mitzvot of the Torah. And this is what we have to learn as the Jewish people. And this is what King David is saying. In order to be sheltered in the palm of God, we just got to remember who we are, be proud of who we are, stay who we are, keep who we are. Say, say some verses of Tehillim if you do forget. And in this way, just ride the rough waters that are out there because ultimately and very soon we will, please God, see the fulfillment of Hashem's promise of the arrival of Mashiach, of the building of the, of, of the third Beit HaMikdash, the third and final temple. And we will, as the Jewish people, be able to bring harmony, peace, health, and all goodness, not only to ourselves, but to all the nations of the world, so that we can live the idyllic world that God wanted us. Have a wonderful week. And uh, remember, Always say a verse of uh, a chapter of Tehillim. It does wonders, and I will be back in this chair next week.